Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my always very good, excellent, and wearing his U.S. Grace Force jersey, Father Richard Heilman, my friend. Good to have you. Our guest tonight, Jason Jones, once again, got some really yeah. awesome stuff to talk about. <laughs> but of course, before we get into this battle, we need to need to start with a prayer. So we always All turn right. it over to the Father. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Thank you very much. And again, thank you to all you people, as we like to say every week who support the U.S. Grace Force, our podcast, the mission, the effort. It is incredible to have so many of you out there. I was just recently at an event, and public event, had 160 or so people there from all over the place, Dallas, Houston, Shreveport, the Ozarks in Arkansas, and so many people come up and just, it's, and it's so humbling to hear. They're very excited about what the U.S. Grace Force podcast is doing. And again, we're humbled by that. We appreciate that. It's an honor to be able to do this work. So thank you all so much for that, your encouragement, your support. And a special shout out to my friend from Ireland who commented on my hat that I wear. She's from Ireland, moved over here to the States and lives now in Texas. Good choice, I just got to say. So congratulations, shout out to you and to everybody else out there who supports us. If you want to support this work that we do through any kind of financial means, you can help us out through Patreon. Just click the link in the description below and we ask you to pray about it. Go on out and take a look and maybe throw a few uh, pennies our way or more. That helps us get this message out to as many people as possible, which we all need to be trying to do in whatever way God calls us. With the amount of time that we have, we've got to be active. And we've got to be active at home and abroad. And that's what the title of tonight's episode is. we got Jason Jones with us, good friend, good brother. He's been, been a guest many times on the U.S. Christmas podcast. And Catholic action, home and abroad. This is really illustrated with a lot of the work that you do, Jason. Thanks for coming on again. Rather good to have you once again on the Grace First Podcast. How you been? I've been great, and it's great to see you guys. I'm wearing a jersey, too, uh, for the audience. Uh, <laughs> Very nice. Father Heilman and Mr. Barry were making fun of my sweater vest that I had on. <laughs> they they said I looked like Mr. Rogers, so I had to you know, I started singing Welcome to My Neighborhood. So, actually. <laughs> it's, so I, I thought I'd put on a, a masculine, manly jersey. And I'm going to become increasingly more masculine it's going to be unbelievable as the show progresses. Because <laughs> that's what well, that's the effect we have on our guests, right? Yes. Yeah, man us up. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Our goal is to destroy the effeminate out there. Right. That, yeah. Anything that, that undercuts masculinity, yeah. it's gone. Rooted it out. No place I, here. I, I put my. I didn't Root. even have my sweater vest here. I was going to show the good folks. <laughs> I thought it was nice. I was trying to look like it was a very nice. Yes, it was nice. <laughs> You looked very intellectual, and you came on with an English accent, which I thought no. was particularly interesting. You know, yeah, well, well done. Yeah, yeah. But you, you live in Texas. You live in Texas, though, Jason, don't you? I, I do live in Texas, the hill yeah. country of Texas. Yeah, you I just here. came back from a silent retreat. I don't know if you guys, you know, I do this. I've been doing this annual silent retreat, and I don't know about you, gentlemen. But when I come back from a silent retreat, I feel a little slower. So I hope I can keep pace with you. <laughs> After being well, quiet I, for four days. I want you to know I'm actually on our silent retreat right now. It started this morning. So you guys are breaking it up. You know, so <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Well, and speaking of that, we, we should make mention to the audience that we are recording this podcast the night before the big election. Yep. Yeah. 
So nice. USA, yeah, USA, USA. USA. Yeah, that's right. So we'll talk a little bit about things that kind of surround the idea of governance in a society and how important it is to have a moral grounding, a moral foundation when it comes to governing a society. And without right. it, everything can just devolve and disintegrate and spiral completely out of control. Uh, Jason, you're doing some stuff, though, uh, in Ukraine, Afghanistan. Just tell us what's uh, what's going on with some of your, your programs, projects that you're that you're involved in, that you're that you're heading up. Sure. So, you know, my organization, uh, Hero Inc., the Human Rights Education and Relief Organization, we have two main programs, Movie to Movement, which we make movies. Folks know our movies. Bella, The Stoning of Soraya M. Right now on Fox Nation is our film, Divided Hearts of America. And then our other program, which is actually most of our work, but it's usually the pyramid under, it's the, it's like the uh, iceberg under the water. They see the movies. And then under the water is the Vulnerable People Project. We run aggressive influence campaigns to serve the most vulnerable people in the world. So what does that mean? Earlier today, we're working to support Christian communities suffering extreme persecution uh, across Africa. In Afghanistan, we work very closely to the very small Christian community, but also with other minority communities and the widows and orphans of the men that died fighting alongside of our soldiers, airmen, Marines, and sailors in the war on terror. We support them. Our mission is always to serve the most vulnerable people in the world where it's most challenging. And I think at the heart of the Catholic apostolate, that is what we as Catholics are called to do, to serve the most vulnerable, which, of course, we can do in our own neighborhoods, through our crisis pregnancies, our crisis pregnancy centers. We can do it through prison ministry. We can do it uh, serving our neighbors without homes. But at the Vulnerable People Project, what we do is we seek to serve those communities facing gen genocide, democide, or are trapped in the midst of total war, and, of course, at the very beginning and end of life from the child in the womb to the elderly. That's that's our mission. So in Ukraine, we've got a lot of attention. One of our vans early in the war was, was uh, bombed by Russia. So if you saw the news story about Catholic organizations, van um, shelled by Russia, that was our, one of our vans. We have, we've partnered with another group called Solve Care to serve uh, orphans through shelters in the Western Ukraine. But together with uh, Ryan Hendrickson, uh, former Green Beret, we've um, been removing landmines for farmers so that we can mm. obviously try to do what we can to reduce hunger and suffering in the world and to protect farmers. Wow. Uh, and so that, that's our mission. And it's a great apostolate. And it is at its very heart, it is what I believe to be, it is Catholic action. It's to serve those communities where the world, there are no cameras, no one's patting us on the back. If anything, people with power and influence are throwing rocks at our head. And um, I think that is the role of the baptized and confirmed Catholic, uh, to stand with those who the, the world has rejected. And when we do that, we're truly standing with Christ. Hmm. Jason, that's amazing. I, I yeah. hope everybody's um, feeling like I am right now. First of all, I want to know, how can I give to this? Because I want to give you my car. I don't know. <laughs> Um, this is amazing. Where can people go? Because I'm going to go tonight. Uh, so our to website help, is, is, oh, first of all, I want to thank both of you. So a large percentage of your audience from the times you've had me on have been key to our support. And as you know, oh, nice. we're the last organization left operating in Afghanistan. As I say, we're the only organization in Afghanistan not on the terror watch list. Hmm. Uh, why? We kept, we, well, it's hard, I guess. I don't, I can't, I can't explain why. Uh, I guess it's dangerous. God. It's challenging. And and God has given us the grace. I tell my team, which is 
the majority of our team are they're all they're all very devout Catholics. And I said, we've seen organizations that are led by some folks that are were the elite of the elite in the military and intelligence services and other places. And they've 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 pulled out. But we've pushed in deeper. We're securing girls' schools across the country. We built our first women's medical center. Um, we were even acknowledged by the Taliban with an award thanking us for wow. our service to the people of Afghanistan. You know, we about 300,000 people received food and cold from us last winter. And, and it was you guys. It was your generosity, the generosity of our friends at LifeSite News and EWTN uh, covering our work that allowed us to probably distribute more food in Afghanistan than the World Food Program, a little wow. Catholic apostolate. So I just want to thank you for sharing, asking me to share how people can support us. Uh, we need more work than ever. Help them out forever. And I'll explain to you like, what we're doing in Afghanistan. A year ago, I say, when you do human rights work, there's always Palm Sunday. The world shows up. They tell you how great you are. And we're with you till the end, pal. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been doing this for 30 years. And I, I appreciate Palm Sunday. It's great. You look around. It's wonderful. But then there's always the cross. And right now in Afghanistan, we are at the cross. Uh, there are 30,000 Christians in hiding that we're supporting through the winter. And you can stand with us um, in Afghanistan, in Af Africa, and in Ukraine by going to thegreatcampaign.org, thegreatcampaign.org. Okay. And you can donate there. And another initiative, which I think we're going to talk about, which is very important to me, is freeourbishops.com. We're not playing games with the CCP anymore. They've disappeared. Eight bishops, eight Catholic bishops just vanished into prisons. Um, rumors are several of them are dead. And we are going to make a ruckus that is so loud in the next 12 months that everyone in the world is going to know that these Catholic bishops have been disappeared. And I believe they will be freed. And if, if the CCP continues to persecute the Catholic Church, uh, the CCP will cease to exist. I believe this. So um, those are our big initiatives right now. Jason, can you break down a little bit more about the bishops in China, why they're in the situation that they're in, and what's the Vatican doing? Well, you know, um, I'm, it's funny you should say that. I have this book right here because I'm trying to understand the Vatican. It's called The Martyrdom of Patience. And it's, it's, it's a book that's hard to find. And it's on the negotiations between the Holy See and the communist countries during the Cold War. And they were very patient. And there was quite a lot of frustration, especially with Hungary uh, and, and, and uh, some of the relationships we've had with the, the communist countries in Eastern Europe in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So I'm trying to understand how the Vatican thinks. Um, but... From our perspective, you have the secret deal right now that the church has gotten nothing for. The CCP picks our bishops. Can you believe the Communist Party of China selects our bishops? And um, that's, could you imagine if Antifa put forward the bishops for the Holy Father to choose from? <laughs> that would probably be better than having the Communist Party of China select bishops. Um, there are thousands and tens of thousands of Catholic laymen and women who've been vanished. Uh, who've advocated for peace or for freedom or against tyranny. Jimmy Lai, the most prominent Catholic layman in China, one of the most prominent Catholic laymen in the world, a billionaire owner, media mogul, um, is in prison. He's content with the fact that he probably will die in prison. Cardinal Zen is being persecuted because he had the gall to raise money legally uh, for um, a defense fund to support Catholic freedom activists in Hong Kong. 
And the Vatican has seemed to have turned its back on the on on the church in China. I say seems to. Again, I, I really can't put myself into the place, the shoes of Secretary of State Perlin or Pope Francis. Um, but as a, a lay Catholic, you know, in this wonderful book that every Catholic should read, that was written by a very young Catholic priest uh, in 1935. His name was Bishop. She I mean, his name was uh, Father Fulton Sheen later Monsignor Sheen, and then, of course, uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen. But this book was written in 1935 by Fulton Sheen. And in it, he talks about how the sacrament of confirmation, through the sacrament of confirmation, all of our activity um, is the activity of the body of Christ. And so those of us who live in a constitutional republic in a liberal democracy, when, when we participate in the political process, we are, that is Catholic action. And so as a lay Catholic man that lives in a constitutional republic, um, I am called to act for justice, for peace, to protect human dignity, whether that's working to defend the child in the womb here at home, or whether it's to advocate for the rights and interests of Catholics suffering persecution around the world. And so I'm going, you know, at our organization, the Vulnerable People Project, we are ordering our activity to advance the interests of the church in China, to advance the interests of our fellow Catholics in China and Hong Kong and Taiwan. And the CCP is waging a very violent and aggressive war. In fact, even the Vatican said, you know, every time we reach our hand out at China, we just, our hand gets stabbed. So that's been the experience that the Vatican has had with the CCP. As a lay Catholic man, as an American, we have a lot of power and influence. You know, our, our last year, we went to NBA games around the country. We bought the best seats in the house on the floor. And when there were fouls, we would jump up with huge banners that said, free the Uyghur. This year, we're going to be doing the same thing, but we're going to have the names of our bishops. Nice. Free Bishop Wang, uh, uh, Bishop, you know, Cardinal Zen. Free, free Bishop Melchor. Free Bishop uh, Wei. So we're going to have all these, the names of all of our bishops. We're going to have our website, freeourbishops.com. We're going to make the banners in Mandarin, Cantonese, and English. We're going to make t-shirts, banners. And so you can, you this year at NBA games around the country, um, you're going to see these banners go up. And why the NBA? Well, the NBA is very big in China. These games are beamed into China. As soon as these signs are seen in China, they cut the entire fee for the game. Hmm. In fact, uh, Ennis Cantor Freedom, of the, formerly of the Celtics, was driven out of the league because he would wear shirts that offended the CCP. So you, you can drive out NBA players from teams, but you can't stop countless fans from filling your stadiums and unexpectedly popping out with these banners. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're launching our freeartbishops.com. Website is already up, and next year in 2024, um, 2023, we're launching our uh, Defeat and Decouple, uh, Defeat the CCP. So decouple and defeat the CCP. We have to decouple our economy. Um, the banks already know that, th that this is going to happen. They're preparing for it. Apple is already moving all of its production facilities from China to India. So I think we're going to be be begin to see a great decoupling of our economy from, from China. And, you know, I hope, like Gordon Chang and others say that the CCP is in its last leg. Tyranny has an expiration date. 
Uh, St. John Paul the Great said in his last book, Memory and Identity, that ideologies of evil like communism or deprivations, the seeds of their own destruction are within them. And we will see the CCP collapse, um, but it can't collapse soon enough because the people of China, uh, all of them have the right to worship God. And we want that right to be protected. We want Chinese Catholics to be able to worship God. And I also want to liberate the, the Muslims in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan, Hong Kong, which is being trashed by the CCP, Taiwan, which is being bullied and threatened, the Falun Gong and other peoples who reach to a transcendent moral truth are being horribly persecuted. Um, so our, our, our goal at the VPP is to liberate the people of China from this tyrannical regime. Jason, you know, as I was listening to you, um, a lot of things were going through my mind, but but particularly, I was thinking of John the Baptist. So he stood up to tyrants in his time. He's kind of almost like the patron saint of that. I mean, you know, he would, you know, you brood of vipers, right? Uh, and he would call people out. I mean, and so anyway, uh, I but, and I was born on his, his birthday. So June 24th, and that's actually when Roe v. Wade went down, kind of cool. But, uh, right. And, uh, but uh, I always look to him as kind of a uh, inspiration that he had the guts uh, to stand up and, and, and be brutally honest, speak truth to power um, and, and say it in uh, uh, a, a no nonsense way, I guess. Uh, but uh, I, I was just out to dinner with my friend, Father uh, James Altman. And he reminds me of John the Baptist too. But uh, anyway, um, what is the deal with tyrants? And this, this, first of all, let me give my take. I think throughout all salvation history, this, this tyranny, this this need to control, in other words, totalitarianism, whatever you want to call it, uh, always tries to find that crack in the door to begin to 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 to, to uh, gain control, and then uh, and then once it's it's all the way in. Then, and I, I was listening to that last part where you talk about it's 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 uh, the seed of their demise or whatever you said is is already planted in them. Uh, it always seems that they get arrogant, and uh, I, I don't care if you see me, and you will follow my religion, whatever it is. And now I'm thinking, of course, of the election that we have this year. I mean, uh, this is my take. But it, certainly in my lifetime, but I think in in all of his uh, history, we haven't seen as much tyranny as we're seeing right now because of the tools they have to inflict tyranny upon us, you know, with the internet and, and everything else. And they've managed to get in all the, um, the sources of influence and power, get their people in uh, to impose on us this, this, this vile tyranny that that opposes the will of God. Um, I've been saying, we're not talking about politics here anymore. You know, we're talking about, you know, uh, right versus wrong, good versus evil, uh, sin versus, you know, morality. Uh, but it's, it's uh, and it's just, it's vile. I mean, the one that I always I talk about is grown men can go in a little girl's bathroom. I mean, you, but you could go on and on. Uh, and, and, and if you speak against that, you'll get censored. Or worse yet, you know, you'll get persecuted uh, or canceled, you know, uh, if you dare speak against their new woke, secular, radical, secular religion, 
and, and, and here we are. And, and, uh, and I think a lot of people are waking up to it and, and hopefully pushing back. So uh, I don't know. It, it, what do you think about what I just said there, Jason is, um, do you, do you feel like we're hit, we're hitting a turning point or do you agree like what I'm saying with, uh, how tyranny has just, it, it's, to me, it's at a historic level right now. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, we, um, look, there are 3 million Uyghur, ethnic Uyghur in Chinese occupied East Turkestan in concentration camps with their biometric data, uh, of the 90% of the population in the possession of the CCP. They work them to death and then they harvest them for their organs. They they have their DNA. So when they find matches, they literally harvest their organs. It's really just absolutely unbelievable. There was a German um, uh, intellectual figure, very interesting guy named Ernst Jünger. He fought in World War One. He was a liaison for the German army in Paris in World War II, but he was he was um, he was the sort of the instigator of both assassination attempts on Adolf Hitler, both Valkyrie and Rommel. He would write letters to different members of the German high command trying to foment a coup or rebellion against Adolf Hitler. He wrote a book after the war, a novel, where he anticipated um, a future technocratic, tyrannical state that through technology and surveillance, he wrote this book, I believe, in 1953. Wow would be so overarching that one couldn't resist it. They would just have to avoid it like one avoided a hurricane or stepped out of the way of a lava flow. And so when you think of like the people of East Turkestan, the Uyghur, if you think of the Hong Kong peace and freedom activists like Jimmy Lai and Cardinal Zen, it almost appears that they are facing an irresistible force. But by God's grace, they're not because... On the other side of that iron curtain uh, are lay Catholics such as ourselves, the church militant that can battle back against the CCP. Then there's the angels and the saints, and there's natural law. And there is the truth that ideologies of evil are the absence of being. They are, they are deprivations. And then the great sorrow of tyranny is it cuts both ways. And I know it's in vogue now in the Catholic space to beat up on our founding fathers, but there was much wisdom in the American founding. And they had a real empathy, founders like John Adams, for the tyrants. Mm -hmm. The tyranny, as the ancient Greeks said, tyrants go to the lowest rung of hell. They're absolutely pitiful. Joe Biden is pitiful. And I don't mean that as a derogatory statement, the way we use it colloquially. I mean it as what the word means. He is worthy of our pity. Hunter Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Paul Pelosi, whatever happened one way or the other, it is still pitiful, worthy of our pity. George Soros is worthy of our pity. He is a very small soul. And these souls appear to be spiraling to an eternity separated from their creator. This is great sorrow. This is a great sorrow. So we oppose tyranny, not just from the first victim, the obvious victim are the ones that have the boot on their neck, but those that have the boot on the necks of the innocent, those who are persecuting Cardinal Zen. I don't pity Cardinal Zen. I said this before, not to be disrespectful, but, you know, Cardinal Perlin, uh, 
no one's going to know who he is 100 years from now. Cardinal Zen will be on icons for sale at Vatican gift shops. I can promise you this. Yeah. This is just true. Yeah. I'm saying a true statement. They, people will have, they will have their scapulars with their Cardinal Zen medals on it. This is just true. Uh, this is the reality. This is the great grace that we have. So as a Catholic, when we stand up, and I think I told you guys the story about when the actor Eduardo Verastegui, the, the actor and humanitarian Eduardo Verastegui and I went to Sudan, and we actually met with the Janjaweed, Al-Qaeda Sudan. And when I met with them, I thought I would hate them or I would be angry with them because of the genocides that they were per perpetrating across Sudan. But when I met them, all I felt was sorrow. Sorrow that they had been addled by such a brutal ideology. Sorrow that their consciences are burdened with the crimes that they have committed. So when I was nose to nose with them and looking at them and sharing tea with them, I did not feel hatred, but pity. And that's what you said, Father, you know, power comes and goes so fast. In politics, there are no permanent victories, no permanent defeats. And every time one party or the other wins an election, they act as if it was the final victory, only to find out, look, here is my promise, and I promise you, uh, Joe Biden will be impeached. Joe Biden will be impeached or will resign. He's not going another two years. Just not going to happen. So he chased this power his entire life only to end in disgrace, the embarrassment of his son, the humiliation that this family is already suffering in front of the entire world. He is a baptized Catholic. You know, it's kind of a mystery that Roe v. Wade overturned when the Speaker of the House was a baptized and confirmed Catholic. The President of the United States was a bat baptized and confirmed Catholic. Both of them warring against life, but yet under their reign, we see the overturning of Roe versus Wade. It's, it's quite mysterious. So what is our calling then? What is Catholic action? Uh, as, as Catholics, um, it's to ameliorate human suffering, to, to honor the dignity of the human person through our words, which is hard, um, through our actions, which I find less difficult to order my actions. I can be rash with my words, more thoughtful with my actions. Maybe we're all this way. Um, and then to vote with integrity to support candidates with integrity and to work through the political process with integrity. And what is that integrity? It's that integral humanism to treat human beings as what they are, creatures made in the image of God. Um, and then to fight for our own. And I'm telling you, and I'm thank you for having me on, freeourbishops.com, freeourbishops.org. We are going to free our bishops. It's the Catholic Church versus the CCP. That's not a fair fight. You know, when I was a kid, I'd, we'd go to the playground. I'd say, okay, it's going to be me versus all of you in football. No, that's not fair. I'll take you three. You'll be on my team. Okay. I need you need to, to weigh me down a little bit. It's, the, it's us Catholics, lay Catholics versus the CCP. Not a fair fight. We're going to march through the CCP and get our bishops free. Jason, question for you regarding the fact that a lot of people, I think, you know, in the States and other parts of Western civilization might not take this as that big of a deal. It's, it's hard, you know, it's, it's just another political or religious issue going on in some other part of the world. What would you say to that? I, it's, you know, I remember hearing Mother Teresa say something 
you know, in a documentary about how can you sleep well tonight knowing that your brother or sister halfway across the world is starving? You know, just this idea, and that's not an exact quote, but the idea that we are connected, there is a unity here, we're part of this bigger family. But, you know, what's going on in China, and I think a lot of people are just kind of, I don't know, I get the sense they're kind of beat down with this idea that, yeah, China's bad, we know. And if you're there, well, yeah, you're going to go through hell in some way. Yeah, that's just kind of the way it is. But anyway, let's go golfing and shopping over here, <laughs> um, which, you know, is something, you know, Father and I talk about Father's favorite phrase is, you know, people just want to go golfing and shopping and not be bothered by this kind of stuff. But, I mean, Jason, what do you say to people? about the importance of recognizing that there is a unity here, that we, we can't just kind of skip town when it comes to our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who are going through this kind of persecution. Yeah, thank you for that question, because it's something I think about a lot. I think there's a balance, right? Uh, the, the, the guy watching right now who's like, look, there's a lot going on in my own neighborhood. Um, fentanyl's poisoning our children. Mm -hmm. uh, single moms can't make ends meet. <laughs> Families can't... I, our family, middle of the month, the past two months, our monthly budget was blown. My wife and I had two, uh, big fights. I was traveling like, what? What? It's like second week. How you go through the budget? Inflation. We yeah. got a lot of kids. We're driving to the soccer, driving to dance, driving to judo, driving to this, driving to that. Food. Inflation and the, the skyrocketing cost of gas. In my family, our monthly budget, the past two months, has been blown by the second, middle of second week. Wow. Mm. So this is where we are. Yeah. So. I, I get it. That's a healthy response. I, it's a healthier response than someone who's like, I can't sleep because somewhere someone in the earth is suffering. That's a bit disordered, right? Yeah, that, that seems disordered. a bit extreme, yeah. That's not healthy. Right. It's patronizing, it's narcissistic, and it's it's odd. So if you have to choose to be like, look, I got enough problems in my own house, to, or be the guy who's crying because somewhere on earth someone's suffering, you know, go along with your life. That's quite rational, but there is something in the middle. And that what the, what the mean is for those of us who are baptized and confirmed Catholic citizens of a constitutional Republic that happens to be the most powerful country in the world. That's meddling in the affairs of countries like Afghanistan and our failures have caused great human suffering and sorrow. Then there is a bit of a responsibility and we have to order our lives to say, how can I as a Christian man or a Christian woman you know, advance the culture of life, honor human dignity, live an apostolic life, which is what we're all called to do, um, in a thoughtful, ordered, disciplined way. Um, when it comes to our very own, first and foremost, our own bishops being disappeared in a country where everything we touch is made. The computer I'm talking to you through, I'm looking at you at, the wire that's charging it, um, probably some of the clothes. I say, if we were to take a blue light and run it through our house, all of us. The blood of the CCP's victims are all over our house. Yeah. Our, all of our homes are crime scenes. Mm. Several years ago, we found out our Christmas ornaments, and it's some sort of sick sense of humor, the CCP was using Christian slaves to make Christ, uh, Christmas ornaments to sell to the West. Mm. This is mocking us. I'm gonna fight for my own. Look, I am known as the guy who fights for the Uyghur, fights for the Yazidi, yes. I will fight for the vulnerable. But when Cardinal Zen is in a prison, is facing life in prison, when Jimmy Lai, a great and influential, ordered, disciplined, kind, gentle, beautiful, uh, socially minded Catholic man is going to die in prison, he's fine with that. 
he can be fine with that. That's his calling in his place to, to live, to treat that cell as, as you know, where he's going to pray his way into heaven. He's going to, he's going to build his relationship with God and suffer in that cell. He can do that, but I'm going to fight to get him free too out here. Uh, and, and, I, and so there needs, there definitely needs to be that balance. I'm going to share something with you. I probably shouldn't share with you, but what I love about the modern media, the new media is this is our family. Like you are my brothers, Right. And so here I am talking to you like we're friends, like the world's not paying attention, but the world's paying attention. A yeah. lot of people are watching this, but they're our family. Yeah. So I'm going to share something with you that's been very hard for me. I had to, for the first time in my life, a couple of weeks ago, I started, I had only one meeting so far with a psychiatrist. How did this happen? Well, I, I just, I was cracking. I, I was losing it. I felt like I was going to cry 24 seven. I felt like I was on the verge of just breaking down and crying. Here's what yeah. happened. We're securing schools in Afghanistan, girls' schools. They're under threat of ISIS. I ordered the schools in order, my team, thoughtfully. We got all these requests for, for armed guards and cameras. We looked at the schools in order of vulnerability. We have now secured four K-12 girls' schools and one university. The school that was on our next wave of schools to be secured, three weeks ago, or three and a half weeks ago, was attacked by ISIS. Mm. And 22 girls died. Mm. And in my mind, I thought, what if I fundraised more effectively? Yeah. What if I ordered those schools in a different order? And I started blaming myself. Yeah. And the truth is, I wasn't saying, I, I didn't feel responsible. I'm not saying I'm responsible. I just was aware of the fact that I could have fundraised more effectively. I was aware of the fact that I could have organized things. Things could have been different. This was, this was pressing in on me. And, and so this is something we all have to be worried about. We, we cannot, it is disordered for me to take responsibility for that ISIS attack on a school. And it is disordered for us as Catholics to feel personally responsible for all of the horrible things happening to every vulnerable person in the world. We cannot help everyone, but we can be thoughtful and ordered in living the apostolic life. And in a world that, you know, it says in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, I looked over the whole world and all I see is suffering. And on the side of the oppressor, can you believe Solomon says this? And the side of the oppressor is power. And there is none on the side of the oppressed. Mm -hmm. Okay, but in Daniel, we know, how does Daniel know? That a kingdom will arise in the midst of these empires. Well, what kingdom was that? The church in the midst of Rome, in Rome itself, a kingdom came. That kingdom would be the advocate for the oppressed. So when Solomon looked all over the world, how did he look all over the world? I don't know, but he said he did. Uh, and everywhere under, over the world, all he sees is oppression. And on the side of the oppressor, power. The fact that we care about people on the other side of the world today is Jesus Christ. That's a very strange thing. That's a beautiful thing. The fact that we are actually concerned about people of other ethnicities, other religions, uh, or our own faith, but they live on the other side of the world, that is very unusual. That is not normal. That is the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the fruit of, the, of Catholics trying to apply 
the gospel to the human condition and the political life of mankind. And so we were talking off air, how much or little should we talk about politics? The reality is, whether you're a monarch, Habsburg monarch, 400 years ago, or a citizen of a constitutional republic today, as a baptized and confirmed Catholic, your activity is always a part of the body of Christ, and we should behave that way. Jason, um, you, you called it the oppressed for uh, the oppressors versus the oppressed. And then shortly after that, you said, should we talk about politics? We're not talking about politics. We're talking about the oppressors versus the oppressed right now. And, and that's what's at stake. And, um, and that's why I, I, I don't get it. Uh, you, you, we've, we've got Uyghurs, we've got bishops, why haven't all the bishops of the world united in one conference mm. and said, no, China, no, you can't do this. You, you, you can't lock up our bishops. Why? I don't understand it. I, I just, I don't get why the oppressors have all the power. Now, I'm going to follow up with this. I've been reading a book by Jonathan Kahn called Return of the Gods. And his, his premise is simply this, that, yes, there was a time when the oppressors ruled. And that was the time when we, as a civilization, worshipped pagan idols. These idols were demonic. They let them in. Okay? An empty house. You, know, you see that scripture passage where when the woman is exercised, the demons you know, wander around waiting for a time to come. Then they come back and... And they're even stronger. There's seven would bring seven demons with. But the point is, is that we when when our Lord Jesus Christ came, we filled our house with the power of the Holy Spirit and 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 the knowledge of good and evil based on what God's will, the Deus Vault, what God's will is all about. And that kept the demons out. Okay. Now and his contention is that we we started sweeping that out, starting with, you know, no prayer in schools and, and all kinds of other things. But we could go on and on. In the 1960s, basically, we started to become, and I hate this term, and we just accept it, we started to become the post-Christian era. Okay? And what does that mean? We took that Holy Spirit and we pushed him out. And in came the demons, in came the oppressors with their power. And we submitted to that. And now here we are. And, and, and again, I'm saying, I don't get it. Why aren't all the bishops of the world uniting when the CCP is, is unjustly imprisoning them? It's, and that's just one example. I mean, you could go on and on. I, uh, uh, heaven forbid a spiritual leader in our church should speak up against oppressors oppressing people, okay? They're getting canceled by, you know, the bishops and that because you're being divisive by, by speaking up in this time. We got to let the oppressors have their power, and that's how we'll find peace. I mean, that's, that, that's just my take on it. Jason, am I a madman or what's 
Yeah. What do you think about what I, I just said there? Yeah, no, I mean, you're not a madman. Look, the CCP, I mean, I don't know if I should go there, but this deal was brokered by former, the disgraced former Cardinal McCarrick. Hmm. What? That's who brokered the secret CCP deal. That we don't know the terms of the deal. All we know is that the CCP gets to pick the bishops. The Pope gets to choose the, choose the bishops from the ones the CCP picks. You know, I would like to pick the players the Green Bay Packers get to choose to draft. They can draft whoever they want as uh -huh. long as I pick the players they get to draft from. And I'm going to pick a bunch of Pop Warner kids so the Bears can, you know, win. That's what I would do. The fact that we let the CCP involved in the process of selecting our bishops strikes me as quite odd. Now, I will, I will put it on the shelf, put it on brackets, move it aside and say, you do you. But that doesn't stop me as a lay Catholic. And, you know, I look at what Mother Cabrini did with that empire of hope, the empire of love that Mother Cabrini created with hospitals and schools to care for the vulnerable around the world. There's a lot that individual Catholics can do, religious and lay and as a lay Catholic man, through our organization, the Vulnerable People Project, we seek to stand with those the world has abandoned. It is no longer Jesus Christ is here, the church is here, and I am part of the church. And as a Catholic, and I chose as a young soldier before I even went into college, I was in the military and then went to university, I knew that I wanted to share my life as a man. I knew as a young soldier, I thought one day I wanted to be a Green Beret. I thought, you know what? I'm going to serve in the military to advance and serve the interests of the vulnerable. There's no better way to do that than as, in special forces as a Green Beret. But then I thought, you know, I would rather do it through politics, through media, through culture to advance the dignity of the child in the womb, children in, in, in Africa. This is what I wanted to do. So this is my job. It's actually what I do. But all of us Catholics have such a wonderful opportunity. We're surrounded, and so many of us do it. Can I want to bring that up, guys? Because you know, and I'm sure you get this too, where people thank us for our work. But we, we this is we have apostolates, and if you have a spouse that's struggling with bipolar disorder, if you have a child with a severe disability, if you have your, if your father abandoned your mother and you have takes all your time and energy after work just to care for your mother, there's so many of us, we're surrounded by people who need a lot of deep love to take a lot of bandwidth. And some of us are the vulnerable and we have to be gracious and allow others to serve us in our weakness, which is a great blessing and privilege too. Um, but we can come together as Catholics through our apostolates and have a lot of power and influence. Ro we live in a post-Roe America. We live in a post-Roe America because of countless millions of Catholics whose names you will never know, mm -hmm. that prayed the rosary every day, that were in front of the abortion clinic every day, that wrote that. When I remember in the 1990s, when I was director of Hawaii Right to Life, and I would get these checks, and the, 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 the handwriting was so shaky because it was a $20 check from a 90-year-old lady and she wrote me a note in her shaky handwriting. My good friend Betty and I go see a movie every month. We're on a very small budget. But this month, we're not going to go see a movie. We're giving our movie money to you. Oh. This is how we, why we live in a post-Roe America. This is why 
In the next 10 years, we'll have a human life amendment and the see the child and the womb protected from sea to shining sea. And this is why we'll see the defeat of the CCP. Um, so we do need to come together through our apostolates. Um, but then, of course, all of us in our own lives have the and, and, and the much more difficult task when it's in your, your own family uh, or your own neighborhood uh, to serve the vulnerable. But this is the life of the of the Catholic. And then in doing so, of course, our, our number one main goal is to lead people to Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's something, you know, Father and I have, you know, focused a lot on in, in recent episodes is unity. You know, Jason, you talk about this, you just speak to that about the, the importance of being unified and people just coming together and taking it very, very seriously, both with, you know, the apostolates and others here on earth, but also with, you know, the saints in heaven, the souls in, in purgatory, just the fact that we do need to be coming out of ourselves and really trying to unite in these different areas. Um, where do you see some of the big sticking points with uniting, you know, what is it that keeps people from coming together? I mean, because everybody listening or watching right now, you know, if, if we all look at ourselves, I have to look at myself. I mean, I, by nature, I'm an introvert. And, and which is funny because I'm a public speaker and I've been traveling for over 30 years. And people would say, well, you're not an introvert. You're out there. You're, you get intense. You're on stage. That's just, you know what it's like when you're up in front of speaking with people, it's different. But, you know, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm not in front of people, I just want to hang out with friends and family, just to kind of keep it quiet. You know, I'm not, I'm not out there, you know? So for me to try to unite, if I've got to wrestle sometimes with coming out of my shell at certain points and places over the years to try to really connect, what do you see as some of the reasons? And I say that openly, just full disclosure to people that, yeah, it, it can be difficult on, you know, it's a personality basis to want to work with others and collaborate. But what has driven me to do it is there's this mission that it needs to be done. And if we don't come out of ourselves and connect with other people and work together and collaborate, we don't accomplish these things. And not accomplishing some of these things means something very detrimental, you know, because things are eroding and falling apart in different ways. But there, there is a lot of hope if we do unite. But Jason, your thoughts on why people you know, out there listening, watching right now might be struggling with really connecting with this idea of uniting, unifying, working together to storm these beaches and get out of that, get out of that kind of funky sort of solitude that keeps us from really making things happen as a team. Well, you know, you're in my home, you're in my office. This is yeah. my main cave. Yeah. You know, and my life, I'm an introvert as well. My perfect day is you know, going to mass in the morning, coming home, reading, writing, um, grabbing my bag, going to the boxing gym, driving the 20 miles there in silence, <laughs> boxing and driving home in silence. Like this is my perfect day. Um, so being an introvert or an extrovert doesn't change our, our mission as, as Catholics, as baptized Christians. Right. Um, and so we, we, we can all learn those. We can all affect you know, all an introvert means is you get tired being around people and extroverts get energized being around people, but it doesn't mean you can't be great at doing it, you know? Right. Um, but I look at everything like going to football, we're in our jersey, special teams. I think you need to know your lane and stay in your lane. St. Jose Maria Escriva says we have to learn the, the word no. So oftentimes it's telling people the no when I, I pitch a donor and they're like, no, or ask someone to volunteer and they're like, no, I never get offended because I know they have what God has put on their heart 
they're living apostolic lives and they're staying focused. I'm the same way. I'm really focused on my mission. I often have to tell people no, but then finding people who are in your lane, working with them with charity, knowing sometimes even when you disagree, um, you're pursuing the same goal. But I think the big thing that separates all of us is scandal, of course, and, and, and scandal can be sin. It can be personalities. It can be our egos. Um, but, you know, scandal means stumbling block. And I had this idea one day that stumbling blocks can be our stepping stones. So if we try to approach scandal with humility, it is scandalous, right, that the bishops, I will have to say to me, it is scandalous that the bishops were silent on the genocide of the first century Christians in Iraq um, five years ago. And it was scandalous. I am scandalized by the silence of our bishops on the disappearing of their brother bishops. It's scandalous to me. I've been told that my outspoken advocacy for persecuted Christians as a humble layman is scandalous. And it's scandalous. Maybe. Okay. I don't. Okay. Hmm. Well, then let's st take, let's stand on those stumbling blocks and make them stepping stones. I just want to be a loud, clear, charitable voice for those who are suffering unjust persecution and violence. And um, I don't know what they're doing over there at the Vatican to get our bishops freed. Maybe they're doing something. Maybe they're not. But I'm staying in my lane, and I'm going to look out do day after day. Do I push a little snowball down the hill? that soon becomes an avalanche and that avalanche knocks down those gates that are imprisoning the countless thousands of lay Catholics and other Christians and other peoples of faiths who are being imprisoned in China and get them freed. How do, how do we get Jimmy Lai freed? How do we keep Cardinal Zen free? Um, th this is what I want. This is what I, how, how do we make sure that the child in the womb is protected from biological beginning, not just here at home, but, around the world. You know, walking around Texas right now since the overturning of Roe v. Wade, I can tell you I feel the grace pouring on this place. A grace that you don't feel in Illinois or New York City. Mm, yeah. Um, I want this grace. I want everyone to live in a political community where the, the most vulnerable members of our community are protected from violence. Mm. So I don't know if that answers your question. Mm. Well, I, you know, one thing I'd say real quick, Jason, the one thing that you said at the beginning I thought was really good was it doesn't matter whether you're introvert or extrovert. And you could even say it doesn't matter what other distractions or things that are going on. It doesn't change the responsibility that we have. And the responsibility that we have is, you know, God did not create us to be islands. He created us to work together as the body of Christ. The toes, the ears, the eyes, we all play different roles, but we're the body of Christ. You know, and, you know, what, what, what excuse do we have to to avoid that responsibility to, you know, sidestep that responsibility. Cause that, that is really what has driven me. Cause I'm like you, I, I mean, my little office here, it's not very big and I, I'm perfectly content with reading and just praying and hanging with my family and my, my grandkids coming over. There's, I can hear three of them in the next room right now as we record this, you know, I I'm perfectly content with that, you know, and, and uh, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I don't have to do other things. Mm -hmm. And I like what you said. It doesn't matter what your scenario, it doesn't avoid our response. It doesn't, doesn't negate our responsibility. Yeah. The one thing that gets me angry when people say this to me, Jason, you are blessed with the gift of fundraising. I'm horrible at it. I just <laughs> do it. 
they'll say, oh, you know, you're a gifted writer. I have dyslexia, was last in my class out of 565 kids. And then I dropped out of high school the day I turned 17 and joined the army. I graduated college because I heavily used the language lab yeah. <laughs> where I found out I had dyslexia and they had to really help me. I have face blindness. Google it. It's a thing. It's a horrible thing. I, do, I wouldn't recognize you guys if I saw you at a grocery store. I walk through the world not being able to recognize people by their face. I'm involved in politics. I have dyslexia and I'm a writer. I'm an introvert and I'm a public speaker and an activist. Okay, so, you know, people go, you're good at fundraising. You know, you think face blindness helps fundraising? No, no. So, yeah, but none of these things matter. Again, right. to me, these are stumbling blocks that become stepping stones because they give right. us humility. Yeah. And people say, oh, you love to travel. I get in like severe depression every time I leave my family, which is like every yeah. week. Yeah. Right. It's horrible, but it's, it's, it's a blessing to do my apostolate. You know, it's like mother Teresa. We know through her diaries had a dark night of the soul that lasted half a century. Well, she had an apostolate suffering, serving those who suffered greatly. People go, Oh, she loves doing that. She, you know, she loves helping uh, abandoned orphan children in the gutters, get maggots out of their flesh. She just loves it. No, obviously it's devastating to do that. But that's, I, I, in my retreat, you know, so much goes through your mind at a silent retreat. And um, the priest who was directing the retreat said, wars are won by weary soldiers. And the whole retreat, he ended the retreat with this. The whole retreat, I was thinking that I picked the whole wrong path for my life. <laughs> I'm so weary. This is what I was thinking the whole time. I, I, I was in Hawaii 25 years ago working as a school teacher and a bouncer at a bar while I was volunteering doing pro-life work, eating fresh mangoes from my tree, swimming in the ocean every day. Could I have just continued on that route? Have I been going the wrong way? I'm so weary. What did I do? This kept going through my mind. And then the, the retreat director ends with, wars are won by weary soldiers. And it just came flooding in. You know, I played some role in the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I've worked on every presidential campaign in my adult life, some at a very senior level. I've made movies like Bello. Thousands of babies were born because we just know of. And I, all that came in. I said, okay, I'm a weary soldier. I should be weary. That's that's what it is to be a soldier. It's to be weary. <laughs> and Okay, um, I, need to, I need to chime in. Yeah, yeah. Because we need to make it three for three. Okay. I'm an introvert too. <laughs> and uh, listen, I love people mm -hmm. and I love working with people. Okay. And I, I am energized by that, but let's take Sunday morning. You know, I have my masses on Sunday morning. I come back and I collapse. Okay. I am exhausted, but it's kind of like you just spend yourself at, during that time. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad we're on this topic because I think uh, a lot of people might say, well, that's fine for you, Jason, Doug, Father Rick, because you're so extroverted and God bless you that he made you that way so that you're better equipped to be able to help people. And I've always um, cringed at that uh, excuse for not participating. Jason, I'm listening to everything that you're doing and I'm exhausted listening to it, but it's amazing. You see need and you take care of it. It's like, why not take care of it? Imagine a world like that where everybody did that. Okay. 
where, where you saw a need, of mm. course you take care of it. But I think we do live in our humanity as finding all kinds of reasons why that's not, for, that might be for you, but it's not for me. Okay, we excuse ourselves out of it. I probably had fault with that, uh, with, with things my, myself. But I think, you know, all three of us are, are trying to uh, engage the battle, uh, be as, uh, as, uh, as dynamic and, and vibrant missionaries as we can. And, and all three of us are introverts, you know, so, so there, uh, oh, you said something really profound. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to remember forever. You said you love people, but you, you get back and exhausted. So as you said yeah. that, like I, if I go to a Catholic yeah. conference and there's a banquet yeah. every time I'm the last person to leave <laughs> because I love people. Yes. But they don't see that I'm lying in bed for 48 hours so exhausted I can't move. I know. Um, yeah. I'm basically like somebody that's lactose intolerant. Yeah. But if you give me a gallon of chocolate milk, I'm going to drink the whole thing. Oh, yeah. You're like, that guy loves milk. Yeah. I love it. See yeah. is where I am for the next two days. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. So yeah. that's how it, I am with people. That's I'm glad you put it that way because I would. And, and, I and what it does too is it, it's a heart check for all of us. Okay. You're, you're using introvert. But do you have to look at, do I love people, right? Yeah. And we're called to love God. And what flows from that is love of our neighbor. And, so, and we got to love our neighbor. We just got to. That's, that's our call as Christians. So anyway. Uh, I was, I, I don't know, Doug, you follow me on social media. I posted the other day, do the other people at airports find me as amazing to look at as I find them? You know, because... <laughs> Uh, and a lot of people, people watch her, know, right? Yeah. But no, that hurt my feelings. So, um, <laughs> and then they said, yes. And that hurt my feelings too. So, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I go, I do this thing where I walk, when I travel, where I look at people and I am conscious that I'm looking at a creature made in the image of mm -hmm. God. And you know, when you're surrounded by thousands of these creatures made in the image of God, I can get in the same a, way, a state of ecstasy, you know, yeah. where. I'm in a crowd of these human beings and I'm almost in a state of ecstasy being aware of how amazing these creatures are. Yes. And it's, it's um, so it's not that we don't love people. I love people. They're fascinating. They're beautiful. There's, you know, I, you can go on, I tell people you want a rocket ship, <clears throat> any direction for all eternity, you're going to find nothing as mesmerizing as the guy living next door to you. Right. Um, human beings are mesmerizing, but just the reality is that there is something about some of us who, you get around people and you get energized. And maybe it's because we love them so much and we're giving so yeah. much of ourselves. Maybe introverts are people who are so mindful yeah. of what that other person is, that you're giving all your energy that you just exhausted. Like, I, I got to tell you a quick story because it just happened today. And this is so me is uh, my phone line went down. It's been down for a few days. They've, they sent a guy out today and uh, now he's my best friend. And he's going to be coming to our church regularly. And, you know, we hit it, we hit it off. And mm -hmm. why? Because the guy is awesome. And, you know, and, and I worked at uh, building a quick relationship and, and uh, we're best friends all of a sudden. I love people and, and I, and I want to see them all to go to heaven. And again, that's different than being an introvert. Okay. You can love people and be an introvert is I think the more, Oral the story of what we're talking about right here. yeah sorry as i'm talking uh, you guys, that yeah and you're going to go home and you're going to take a long you're going to take a lot yeah you, 
You can take a long nap afterwards, but but in the moment, I'm totally for you. I, I you know I want I want to give myself completely for you, and that's maybe maybe why we are exhausted because we're just giving it all away. But uh, you know that, and that's it's so cool that all three of us admitted we're introverts. Yeah, right? and it's good for people to hear that, right? Just yeah. if you feel called to the priesthood, you know, like oh, but I'm an introvert. So what? Yeah. 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 Work the. So what? Yeah, and I think you know what what you described, Jason. I think you know a lot of you know people out there in the audience who have been involved in some sort of ministry or, or you know apostolate work um, feel the same way. You described this exhaustion, this tired. You're just tired, and and things start getting to you. And I've had people come up and say, "Oh, you know what? You got the whole battle ready or the BR coalition. You know, helping people be prepared and ready. That's great. That's awesome. You know." And and I say, "Yeah, well, you know, when I talk about and I've done this in many." many parishes, many conferences, I've said, you know, we all reach that point where we're literally or figuratively sitting on the edge of the bed and literally or figuratively got our face buried in our hands. Yeah. And our prayer is not this perfect lofty, you know, St. John Vianney image of prayer. It's that prayer of Lord, what is going on? What, what next? What do I do? I don't understand. I just, yeah. ah, you know, Lord, are you there? Where are you here? Where are you in this? How can you, I don't know. I, I just, ah, and I, I just want to say to people that, yeah, that's what this feels like a lot. You know, you, you know you're, you're watching the news, you're paying attention to world events, you're trying to evangelize, you're trying to get involved in projects that will help turn the tide, you know, get people on the beach or off the beach, into the game, into the fight. And you just start thinking, I, I just, I, and you feel beat up, you feel tired, you feel exhausted. And I love that statement you made, Jason. I hope the audience really takes it to heart weary soldiers win win the battles win the wars i mean you know there there's a cartoon out there the guardians of gahul it's a cartoon about owls okay and my, my kids watched it years ago so it's it's an animation it's fun and there's this one owl and i don't even remember the names but my kids you know they wouldn't know this maybe they're all adults but they remembered it because they liked it and he's the hero that they tell stories about and so this young owl who's all excited he's a young little 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 whippersnapper and he's ready to get into it and he one day he meets this owl and this owl is kind of limping and he's got a scar across the eye. One of his eyes doesn't even open all the way and he's just beat up. He's got feathers that are permanently distorted now. And when he finds out that this owl is that hero, the owl says to him, what did you think I would look like? <laughs> that is awesome. This is, this is what you look like when you've been in battle. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Awesome. You're beat up. You're tired. You're scarred. You're wounded. Yep. But what makes you a hero is, and we can say as Catholics, by God's grace, you continue to persevere. You don't quit, even though you're limping and you're crawling and you're you're blinded in one eye, but you're still going. I mean, Jason, you're a former soldier. Why do they give the Medal of Honor out to, to soldiers, the 4,000 or so? The only Out of the millions of soldiers we've had over the years in the U.S. military, only about 4,000 some you know, medal of, medals of honor have been given out. And it's for those who above and beyond in the face of the most overwhelming odds continue to fight on. And, and, and I just think that that speaks to it. So I love that you said that, Jason. And I love that you're admitting, as I'm admitting and Father is, I mean, there's exhaustion in this work. And I know our audience has got to be feeling it too. And I just think it's a good thing to sometimes get out and we didn't even plan that the show would go this direction. But if anybody else out there is feeling it, you're not alone. You're, you're not alone, but just keep moving forward. Jason? Well, Catholic action. Oh. I mean, 
Yeah. And and again, I, I think some people got it in their bones that, okay, Catholic action is for other people because of A, B, and C. Yeah. No, I mean, you're looking at three introverts that are, you know, exhausted a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. But are trying our best to to get in the game, not stand and not sit on the bench. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say, and a lot of people that are listening to, I think you guys get, I hear this a lot from folks like, oh, I wish I was doing more. Then you find out how much they're doing. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, you're actually doing a lot more than I'm yeah. doing. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, what are you talking about? But they think, well, yeah, but you write articles, you have a podcast, you make yeah. movies. Yeah. But you founded a bank and every business in your small town got a loan from your bank and I can go to a nice restaurant. And yeah. I see a guy who's beaming with pride because you partnered with him to start that business or yep. you're an oncologist and you're saving people's family members from sure. an early death. And, and um, so, yeah, I think that all of us have to be fully engaged. There's no shame in being a weary soldier. Right. And the apostolic life comes with ups and downs. I had a neighbor it really meant a lot to me. He came up to me. I was, I sit in the back of my pickup truck a lot and do my work from the back of my pickup truck on the, cause I like fresh air. And he, he stood and he saw me on a call and he was like, just, you know, finish your call. And he was just kind of standing around. He goes, hey, I saw that news clip about you rescuing that two-year-old boy in Afghanistan and reuniting him with his parents. And I said, yeah, thank you. know, yeah, thank you. And, uh, and so I was like, where's he going with this? He goes, I just wanted to come. It just it was on my heart to tell you that, you know, people probably pat you on the back for this stuff. But I bet you there's a lot of people you've wanted to help that you, you failed to help. Um, there's probably a lot of suffering that people don't see. And I just want to let you know that if you ever need anyone to talk to, if things are really hard for you, and I, as I'm sure they are, just come knock on my door. Wow. I don't even really know this guy that well. You know, one, one year he came over, him and his wife had drinks with my wife and I and our kids play together, but it's not like we're pals. No. And I thought how empathetic that this guy who lives yeah. a block away sees a news story about me and goes, Oh, I bet you no one really knows how much suffering he's going through right now. Hmm. Um, and he got that from a good news story about a success right. we had. And I just was oh. kind of in awe of his empathy. And that's yeah. what I always try to be mindful. We're around, um, Socrates said, right? We're, we're surrounded by people who are fighting daily battles. And I want to be really... Yep. And that is the beautiful life of the Catholic, right? Like we're just... Yep. To be thoughtful of... of the, the, those around us because we know who they are yeah we know how precious and wonderful and beautiful they are and that's yeah. a great grace i think that's that other centeredness you know that that guy had where you know he probably said to him well he was if i were you i might have those feelings too and so mm -hmm. that's when you reach out to another person and, and say you know you might be dealing with this kind of thing but the, the, oh, the what a, a cr great show Thank you so much, Jason. Um, our time's up, and uh, yeah. but uh, wow, a lot to think about, and a lot of inspiration here. And and uh, you know, this world is going to be a great place. I think we're I think we're heading in the right direction. Finally, we're we're making a turn, and uh, a lot of people are getting energized and getting up, and uh, and taking care of what, what when they see need. All right, let's end with a prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Can I say a few Thanks, last guy. words, Father? Oh, yeah. What's that? I just, I know you've had some trouble with some social media outlets and stuff because of this and that. 
Yeah. I just want to share with you. I read a book and about a conspiracy. A guy was removed from power uh, because of a conspiracy. His name was Julius Caesar. I read this by mm. Shakespeare. And I just, I think that there was this conspiracy behind this. <laughs> yeah. And I just. Uh, Thanks, I Jason. <laughs> there you go, folks. We end on a conspiracy uh, theory that Julius right. Caesar, there was a plot to kill him. The plot. I'm just saying there was a plotter. Was a plotter. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Epstein might know something about that. Anyway. All right. All right. Thanks, All Jason. Right. Thanks, Jason. Awesome once again. God bless you guys. Thank you.